When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome into episode 12 of the Brutally Honest Sports Podcast. My name is Dan Kurtz and I'm joined by my co-host, the man, the myth, and always the legend, Aaron Riley. Aaron, we have a doozy of a show for the listeners tonight, uh, today, this morning, whenever you may listen to this podcast. We have NFL Bubble Talk, Dr. Fauci comments. We have Jamal Adams, hot off the presses, requesting a trade. We have NBA Talk with Kendrick Perkins and KD in a heated battle on Twitter. Uh, no surprise there, but uh, Aaron, how are we doing tonight? I'm doing great. How are you doing tonight? Can't complain, man. Looking forward to another show this evening. I think we're going to have a, a lot of good topics for the listeners to take them into the weekend and, and take them into their Father's Day weekend is that uh, at that. Getting some more baseball talk as well. Baseball is getting closer to, to a few of their plans as well. So um, kind of more of the same from the news we've been hearing the past few weeks. But I do think things are starting to look up a little bit. And we did have some some juicier news tonight with, with the Jamal Adams stuff, as I mentioned. So I think it'll definitely be a little bit more of an entertaining show for the listeners, to say the least. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, hopefully this doesn't pain you too much, you know, what what transpires, you know, in the next coming, you know, days or weeks with Jamal Adams. But, uh, yeah, a lot lot of interesting, you know, little things have been been going on as far as uh, just, you know, Dr. Fauci making some comments and then Kendrick and uh, Kendrick Perkins and and KD is always a fun fun topic because they – they just absolutely go at each other's throats. I think that's a perfect key up. Uh, listeners, enjoy the show. Let's get after it. And now for today's topics. You know, Dr. Fauci, <laughs> the White yeah. House doctor? Yeah. yeah. He made a – I don't know if you saw that. He made a comment that the NFL might not happen unless these players stay in, like, complete isolation for even – like, for now. I did. I did see that. I just I don't understand this all this shit because like a couple months ago he was saying how you know yeah there might be a second wave but he's like we're reaching the peak of this we're reaching like you know what I mean now it's like it's not, everybody's making it sound like it's worse than like it's just so bizarre all this is bizarre to me I'm not saying it's not real and I I know it exists but it's just like it seems like from one week to the next they're saying two different things and like everybody's saying a different thing you know yeah I, th- I think it's you know he was at the forefront of – and he was so great about just being up front and, like, actually being communicative, whereas Trump, like, would just, you know, say the bullshit line of, like, oh, everything's fine, everything's hunky-dory, don't worry about it. And he was, like, actually – like, it was a good fucking change of, you know, good good uh, breath of fresh air. But, like, I feel like now it's, like, he's back to, like, his doomsday, doom and gloom, this country's fucked type of thing. 
But I feel like he's been all over the map the entire – like, there's – I get what you're saying. I think he's been real at times. But then at the same time, I don't really believe anything he's saying either because, you know, he, he's all over the – like, if you look at week to week on what he said, it's just, like, it's erratic. And, like, I'm not saying this, this virus isn't, but it's like, you know, you got to have some type of – all right, this is – this is like by August, it's going to be better or, or it's not going to be like, if, if it's not going to be better, say that, but don't say one week, you know, we're seeing the cases go stagnant and then it's way up, which I get that, you know, people are, are going out and then you have all these protesters, uh, everybody in a tight controlled area. And, and I get all that, but it just seems like it's just so uh, like no one, I just feel like no one actually knows and everybody's just poking at certain things and like just throwing shit out there. And, right. and like, that's you know what I mean? There's no actual validity to any of this. I could People see I could see the NFL doing a or I could see the NBA doing a bubble. I could see the NHL doing a bubble. I think it might be tougher for the NFL and the MLB to do one just because of the volume of players that they have on their team. Like the NBA has fifteen guys plus probably five or six coaches, maybe, you know, maybe some front office staff, maybe some trainers, and that's about it. An NFL team has fifty three players plus like a sixty you know, plus 10 more to, you know, for the practice squad gives you 65 plus like 15 different position coaches, plus the front office, plus the trainers, plus the staff. It just, I don't see them being able to shelter in place in one location, like in Orlando or, or Vegas, like the NHL and NBA can just in terms of volume of, of numbers. And then, and then, you know, where are you going to find, you know, three football fields worth of, of, you know, stadiums to play in like the NBA, you can, you know, have court, you know, after quarter after quarter or soccer, you could have three soccer fields next to each other. But where are you going to have three or four full-size NFL stadiums to get these four-hour-plus games in? No, that's a, that's a great point. I mean, I think you nailed it as far as uh, from, from the perspective of volume as far as, yeah, like peep, just personnel is obviously a lot bigger in the uh, uh, in the NFL, but it, it's going to be interesting too. With the, if these MLB expanded rosters come out, it's going to be a, that's going to be a challenge for them too. Like, where are they going to have the bullpen guys? Like, some of them sitting like uh, like at, you know near the like overhangs, you know, like where where you can just hang out, and then right. not near the dugout because if they're if they're all under the dugout, it's a horrible situation. Because if one guy has it, then they'll you know ten bullpen guys will have it. Like, will some of them be chilling? I don't know. Like, will someone be in the locker room? Like, will it be like, it's just, obviously this is unprecedented and, and that's where we're Yeah. I think if we touch on that, it'll be great. Cause what's I the, think that Fauci comment. What's the MLB, what's uh, what's the MLB expanded roster? What is it? 40 guys. Yeah. If it's, um, if it's like 40 guys then I, I just don't see them being able to shelter in one hub city. Maybe they go back to their spring training stadiums and facilities and things like that. I feel like most of them have to be in Florida, if not all of them, you know, play spring training in Florida. But then, you know, you have the the weather factor, you know, of playing in Florida. It's interesting. The MLS is actually going to come back and play in Orlando, but they're going to play three games per day. And then the three games are going to be played at 9 a.m. and then 8 p.m. and then 10 p.m. So they're completely taking out the daylight and, and the chunk of the day because they figure that's when the most rain is going to happen, which is fascinating to me. And I feel like baseball would probably have to do something similar if they play outdoors in Florida, but don't really have that luxury because the soccer game is guaranteed hour and a half, maybe, you know, two hours with stoppage time at halftime and things like that. But baseball could stretch on to six hours, depending on the two teams and, and the flow of the game. Yeah, exactly. And uh, if it, yeah, granted it, it doesn't go to extra innings and it's, you know, if it's a one nothing game, then yeah, maybe it's a three three and a half hour game. But if it's ten to nine, 
and there's how many pitching changes and how many, you know, bullpen guys have to come in, warm up, and then it goes into, you know, somebody ties at 10-10, goes into extras, and it's like a fucking, you know, five-hour game, and it started at 10 p.m. It's like, you know, they, they can't be having that on a consistent basis. That's going to – I almost feel like they'll have to either put a time limit on it and, like, I don't that, – that would kind of fuck up the whole game and, and ruin the flow. But at the same time, it's like, what else are you going to, you know, how can you, like you said, how, how can you really run a consistent schedule at 9 a.m. and then 8 p.m. and then 10 p.m. where the games are, aren't lasting till 3 in the morning? Like, I mean, I know? mean, maybe they can utilize Tampa. They have an indoor stadium. Maybe you can utilize Miami. They have an indoor stadium just because of that Florida weather. But I don't see any other, you know, I know Arizona has some fields. They do the Arizona Fall League there. So maybe they go out to – you know, the Phoenix, uh, Scottsdale area and, and do some damage there. Maybe it's out in California where there's you know, the weather's a bit nicer. It's not as rainy. I don't know. I don't know what they do. But I, for me, I, I think with a baseball team, too, you just have so many pitchers, so many, like, field players. You're probably going to, you know, with the expanded rosters, bring 40 players as it is, plus all those coaches, plus all the, you know, trainers and things like that, as we mentioned with football. I, I just don't see it. But, you know, it seems like Orlando is getting pretty crowded with, uh, the NBA and the MLS, so I don't know if if that would be you know Florida would even be an option, and it, Florida just hit an all time I think their daily high for you know amount of coronavirus cases since you know this whole pandemic happened. So I don't even know if Florida is going to be an option in a month or two. You know when basketball and and the MLS are looking to come back, so uh, it's going to be fascinating. I think baseball is more worried about just getting a deal done and figuring out how many games they're going to play. And then they're, they're sort of going to figure out the safety regulations later and where they're going to play later, which to me, I think, you know, the only thing that we really haven't seen from the MLB is that return to play plan. I think, you know, the owners and the players are still trying to figure out financials and, and contracts and, and, you know, term of season. So, you know, I, I have to assume they're working on some things behind the scenes. It just seems like Rob Manfred's been all over the place. You know, one week he's saying there will be baseball. Five days later, he's saying he has no idea. It just seems that the miscommunication and the mixed messaging coming out of that league is absolutely absurd. And it, it just begs the question of, like, how did this guy even get his job? Uh, you know, you know, much less get a job with Major League Baseball. He's a commissioner. I think he's – if you had, if you were to rank the four commissioners right now, he'd probably have to be at the bottom, which – you know, is saying something considering Goodell has probably been in the basement for a number of years. Gary Bedman for the NHL gets booed wherever he goes. And, you know, Adam Silver obviously is looked at as, as kind of kind of a G from fans. So it's, it's interesting, and, and baseball has a lot more to figure out than, than just their length of season, it seems like to me. That's uh, that's an interesting point. I think, like, kind of he follows in Bud Selig's footsteps because Bud Selig wasn't very liked. And now it's like, you know, Rob Manford think certain things I thought Bud Selig was kind of a pushover in some aspects but then at the same time he I don't know there's a whole bunch of you know issues that that went on in the MLB under under Selig's term and I'm not going to say he handled all of them well yeah I don't I don't think you know they just need to come to an agreement and and obviously it's just this has been a long strong uh, stretched out you know ordeal and and you got to get these guys on the same page because you know this is one this is the worst uh, start to a season other than a uh, like a strike, you know, almost like a, a strike when they when they had that. In the, I want to say the '90s. Yeah, '95, um, I think. Not yeah, so like mid '90s. But obviously, just the circumstances have, have changed the the outlook of all these sports. But it's kind of like the NBA, uh, for the most part, is on board. You know, obviously, there's players here and there that that want to throw a bitch fit like uh, Kyrie and things like that. But 
Uh, it's almost like MLB. Because I've read multiple times, you know, they've gone back and forth uh, and not really, you know, look, you know, gotten a, an agreement of any sort as far as being on the same page where it, it looks like the other sports are, are at least working in the right direction and, and communicating well. It seems like the MLB is a couple steps behind, and, and that's a problem as we get towards the end of June and then in the, the first week of July. If you had to rank the commissioners right now, just we'll do this real quick as a tangent. If you had to rank the four major four sports and their commissioners, what would your ranking be one through four? Uh, yeah, no, that's that's interesting. Uh, I, I can't really speak on the NHL commissioner just because I don't know enough that he's done or, or not done. But uh, I take your word for it. He gets booed everywhere he goes. I, I'll just rule Two him lockouts. Out my, two lockouts. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll rule him out of my rank. I'll just do the three. But, uh, you know, you, you can add him in wherever you feel it's necessary. I, I think, uh, yeah, I think Manford has to Manfield or whatever his name is. Honestly, no one cares, but, uh, <laughs> he's got to be at the bottom, probably Goodell number two of the three. And then, and then Adam Silver, he, Adam Silver's just kind of come in and, and not really had too much drama or, or nonsense happen under his watch. Uh, he just seems to have a control over the players. The players seem to at least respect him to a certain degree. Yeah. I think, uh, I think, Adam Silver doesn't really discipline guys as much as uh, David Stern did, which, you know, in some aspects, I guess, is a good thing. And then, you know, you can't be looked at as a pushover. But I, as far as uh, just his reputation, I think it goes it's pretty well at the at the moment. Yeah, I'd probably have Adam Silver one, Gary Bettman two, Roger Goodell three, Rob Banford four. And if you asked me this probably three months ago, I'd probably have I probably would have had Silver one, Manford two. Bettman three, Goodell four. Uh, I just think you know from a from an optics standpoint, and and just what I whatever I touched on earlier, it just seems like he is so greedy in that. I, I I get that he works for the owners. I get Goodell works for the owners. Every commissioner is essentially an employee for the owners, but the the players are essentially your employees. And like if if you have if your employees are pissed off at you, if you are disrespecting them, if they don't want to work for you, if they want don't want to play for you, then I don't, I don't know what kind of product that puts oh, – I, I guess it puts out a shitty product, but I, I, in any place of business, if you're pissed off at your boss, like you're not motivated to do great work. And, and obviously professional sports is basically playing a, a kid's game for a living, so it's a little bit different. But, you know, I just think he's absolutely mismanaged this to the 10th degree, and his public perception has probably plummeted worse than, than Trump's at this point. But we're not a politics podcast, so I won't get into it. It's obviously a, a major issue, and I mean, I think the closer they get, like my heart tells me, the closer they get to to this, basically the start of the season, the, the start of their, you know, whatever it is, might be spring training, might be, I'm sure some type of, you know, warm up to the regular season that they'll they'll get on some type of agreement. I don't think it's gonna make the player side of it very happy. Uh, you know, obviously you've you've heard some players speak out about how they're not on the same page and and how they want a longer season than, than MLB does. And, and there's so many moving pieces to all of this as far as all the leagues and all the, the finances coming in and out of, of all the leagues due to, you know, the amount of millions that have been lost due to the, the coronavirus. So I get it. I get that, you know, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of things and there's a lot of kinks to work out as far as all the, these leagues go. But they just have to get on some type of agreement. And at some point it, it's obviously better to get some money back in than no money. So, you know, they don't want to, they don't want to push it to the point where they, they lose the whole pot. Well said, well said. All right, folks. Um, I know we talked about Jamal Adams a ton last podcast, but 
he was just in the news this afternoon. Uh, let me pull up his Instagram comments here. But uh, basically, he wants to trade. He wants to get traded out of New Jersey, out of New York, out of the New York Jets organization, out of my life. Uh, he's unhappy with his contract situation currently. He believes that the pandemic is not an excuse for a contract, for his lack of contract extension. He wants to be paid like a top-flight safety. He wants to be the top-paid player on the Jets. And frankly, um, his current contract, his current rookie contract, is not good enough and not good enough to keep him on the field right now. So I'm going to pull up his Instagram here and then I'll sort of break it down for you and get it going. And probably um, Aaron will team me up for a couple of questions here, but all right, this is a comment from Jamal Adams at president mall on Instagram. Oh, I see what it is. I deserve to be paid. But when I asked to be taken care of, I'm being that guy, huh? What does Pat have to do with me? Question mark, meaning Patrick Mahomes. Pat is going to get about 40 to 60 M's. M's means million a year. Um, Well-deserved. That's my guy. But don't compare me to QBs if you aren't paying me QB money. Shit. I was about to get, if I was about to get 40 plus, you wouldn't hear a damn word from me. Lol, for real, for real. Don't use the pandemic excuse. CM22, which is Christian McCaffrey, got paid not too long ago. Well-deserved. Great friend of mine. You're lost, my guy. I'm going to protect myself just like an organization will look out for themselves at the end of the day. If you guys respect that, cool. It's all love. Maybe it's time to move on, exclamation point, end quote. Maybe it is time to move on. I touched on this last time a little bit. I just think it's quite insensitive that he's in his third year. Like I said last podcast, only four defensive players out of the last nine seasons have gotten paid, have gotten a contract extension after their third season. Yes, he's the best safety in the league. Yes, he's the best player on the Jets, but play out your fucking contract. If you if you knew going into the league you weren't going to play your rookie contract, then why did you sign it? I, I, I guess I just don't understand this from from also like a societal perspective as well. There are 40 million, 50 million plus people out of jobs. The New York, New Jersey, metropolitan, tri-state area has been hit the hardest in terms of job loss, in terms of a pandemic, in terms of the coronavirus. It's just pretty insensitive uh, at this point. And I don't understand how you, you – can't use the pandemic as an excuse. The NFL and the Jets literally have no fucking idea what the cap is going to look like next year. The cap could go down 20 million. It could go down 10 million. It could go up 20 million. Nobody has any idea. There's so much volatility in that situation that why would you sign a guy to an extension when you have control of him on your rookie contract for two more seasons, franchise him after that to have potentially a third year under team control. Why during a fucking pandemic when you have no idea, like I said, what the cap space is going to be, would you sign him to a, a major contract when you already have a, a terrible Le'Veon Bell contract, when you already have a terrible Henry Anderson contract, when you already have a $17 million a year CJ Mosley contract, why not wait a year, get the Le'Veon Bell contract off your books, get that Henry Anderson contract off your books. The pandemic is out of the way. You know what the cap's going to be. There's a new TV deal coming eventually. There's probably a new C or there was a new CBA this year. So once you get all the BS and the behind the scenes things out of the way, you can get paid. Yes, the Jets did say they were going to sign you in January. They said they were going to offer you an extension back in the beginning of the season. But if you remember, folks, January is before the pandemic hit. Uh, I understand that, that he probably wanted to get paid before training camp, before the summer. I understand that everybody gets everybody in the United States gets disrespected in their workplace, in their career at one point or another. Obviously, it's a little bit different in the NFL. He's an all-pro guy. He's been a two-pro bowl. He's only 24 years old going to be one of the best NFL players probably in the, probably in the next five to ten years. Probably another Ed Reed, Troy Palomalu type player. 
I understand that. It's just pretty mind-boggling to me that in the face of a pandemic, in, in the face of so much uncertainty, he's clamoring for a contract extension and then also taking it to social media and then also requesting Jets to seek a trade. So uh, to me, uh, you know, you, you probably have some thoughts on this from 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 sort of an outside the Jets fandom perspective. Obviously, I'm quite biased. I, I would love for them to to re-sign him and not trade it, trade them. I want to make that abundantly clear. I, I think – as a as a self-proclaimed leader of a team, I, I just don't think these are the requests you make. Patrick Mahomes isn't bitching about his contract. Deshaun Watson isn't bitching about his contract. Dak Prescott's been waiting to get his contract. Uh, even even a guy uh, like Jalen Ramsey, who requested a trade out of the Jaguars, he still hasn't gotten paid yet, believe it or not, uh, from the Rams. So he's not requesting a contract extension at this point. I just think it's super insensitive. And I understand I'm rambling here, and I, I get that he's an unbelievable player. I just don't understand the timing. Of this request, of this request whatsoever. As far as yeah, I'm I'm kind of surprised you you did kind of go right at him and, and you kind of blasted him, which I have no problem with with that whatsoever. I think, uh, you know, you touched on the point of you know obviously we're in the midst of the pandemic. It's not going anywhere in the you know near future here. Those players you brought up, Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, uh, those two for example. I mean, they play the quarterback position. Uh, obviously bring a lot more revenue and people go to see the quarterbacks play at the end of the day. Yeah. He, he's a great player and, and he's an all pro and, and that type of thing, not to take any credit away from him, but uh, yeah, to your point of, of when he's ta- when he's going to social media and just in, in, in all honesty, he's putting the jets on blast. It, it's a horrible look, I think for him to be, you know, to be frank, I mean, he's great player, 24 years old, you know, very young, but players in the NFL are disposable to a certain degree. And, you know, if you're, if you're going to be disrespectful to an organization, that's not going to, that's not going to fly. And, and he needs to understand that. I mean, maybe he, hopefully he doesn't turn into one of those guys like an Antonio Brown, where it just becomes an issue for him. But, you know, when you're, especially when you're that young and, and, I get it. He's not making a ton of money in, in his current deal, but at this point, I, I, if I'm the Jets, I, I stay put on. You know, we're we're waiting another season, especially because you bring up those contracts that'll be off the books. You know, why why tank yourself into a hole where you're you know th- this coming season you you can't sign anybody mid-season if you want to or or trade for somebody if you want to because then you got you know a couple contracts that are just you know huge numbers and and you're kind of in a position where you can't get out of. I think you at least wait out the season. You know, if he continues to bitch and, and moan and complain and, and go on social media, I think you trade him for as much value as obviously you can get. Um, you know, young safety like that, you can you can acquire draft picks. You can acquire, you know, other skill positions and things like that. Uh, I'm right there with you. I'd, I'd be extremely irritated as a Jets fan that, you know, this, this guy that, you know, obviously has been a stud, but, you know, is now turning into a massive pain in the ass. I, I really – it bothers me to – to a, a great degree when these guys go on social media and just blast the organization that at the same time, this, this team drafted you and gave you a chance into the league. I think that's utterly disrespectful. And I think, you know, I'm going to look at them a little differently for that because that's just childish to me that that's, you know, yeah, Christian McCaffrey got a deal, but he really, he's the outlier. I mean, who else can you really think of that got a massive contract since, you know, right around the COVID time period or, or thereafter. And I can't really think of anybody. So, uh, you know, I just think that's a it's a very selfish thing to do, and it, it's just something that I, I totally disagree with the way he's going about it. Yeah, maybe he deserves the money, but you know, I I say you at least he's got to play like that one more season before I'm shelling out a crazy amount of cash for him and, and making him the, the highest paid player on the team. 
Yeah, I, I don't – I just never have been a fan of a player thinking he has all of the leverage in, in the world when it comes to requesting a new deal, whether, whether it be in any sport, whether it be, you know, a Kyrie forcing his way out of Cleveland, whether it be a Jalen Ramsey forcing himself out of, out of Jacksonville, whether it be Antonio Brown sort of forcing his way out of the Steelers. I've just never been a fan of players thinking they're above the team in that respect. I think to play a professional sport and to play in the NFL, you have God-given talent. Um, that you know you've got given ability you were born with that you've so much natural talent obviously a lot of that goes with the hard work and he would never have gotten to where he is today without working hard but you know I just think that you know you're you're in such a a place in a a league like the NFL that you're so lucky to be there as it is so why why would you you know take it upon to to trash the organization that has drafted you has given you a shot um, the fans have, have adored you for the past three seasons. The coaches love you. The owner loves you. The GM has said he wants to make you a Jet for life multiple times in the media. Uh, I don't think that's a lie. I don't think that's just a GM talking to the media um, just to get a message out there. I think that's actually legitimate. Um, it, for all the reasons I mentioned before, there's just no point to sign a guy like this. And, I, you know, I don't know. I just don't understand when a player – he's essentially turning his back on the team. He's turning his back on the franchise on the fans, et cetera. And, and he's a self-proclaimed leader of the squad. So if you're going to go on and go on social media, especially and make this public and take it upon yourself to have your agent go ahead and, and seek a trade on behalf of the team, I just think that's some shady stuff. And I've never been a fan when any athlete of any team of any sport does that. And obviously I'm not a fan when, you know, when the best player on my team that I root for does it as well. So, you know, we'll see what happens. Um, Adam Schefter reported not too long ago that there are, a few teams that he would welcome a trade to. Obviously, he doesn't really get a choice, but, you know, it's reported that he's he would welcome a trade to the Ravens, Cowboys, Texans, Chiefs, Eagles, 49ers, and Seahawks. Um, I think all of but, like, two of these teams made the playoffs last year, so that's not really a surprise. He wants to win. Not sure why he'd want to go to the Texans. That just doesn't make much sense to me since they're – Trading all, away all their good players. I guess out of out of those teams, um, Aaron, which 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 team do you think that you know would make the most sense for for a guy like Jamal Adams? I think, if I'm not mistaken, I think the Ravens' safety from last year. I might I might totally be missing the boat on this one. But I don't think he re-signed with them. Earl Thomas. Uh, I'm even, oh no 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 he is still there. I'm sorry. Somebody else. I think it was a corner or something like that. They they lost. I, I just kind of breezed by that the other day. And saw that they had lost some some players on defense from yeah, last year. Yeah, you're probably year. right. I don't. Yeah, but, I don't really follow them too too well. But yeah, you're probably right. Yeah, no, I think it was. Yeah, I think it was just a veteran veteran player, but who had a good season last year. From just a you know kind of a blank sheet perspective, just looking at it from a a big picture, I think you know obviously if Seattle can add somebody like that effective on defense after they lost Earl Thomas to the Ravens last year, I think that would that would that kind of fits the mold as far as. Seattle just rebolstering the defense, you know, that they has kind of kind of gone to the wayside in, in some aspects compared to what they used to be. Obviously, that the Legion of Boom, and, and they couldn't keep that together forever. So, to me, that, that would make sense as far as just on paper and, and just a move that they would make that I, I could see, you know, potentially happening. I would not have a problem with it with the Eagles per se. I mean, we lost Malcolm Jenkins, which I was okay with. Uh, a lot of play, A lot of fans, you know, didn't like that move, but I, I thought he was kind of long in the tooth at this point in his career. He's played a ton of ton of downs, and and I wasn't I was okay with them letting him letting him slide just from a from an injury perspective. I think you know he's he's one injury away from being half of what he is right now, and and he plays a ton of downs and he's played a long career. Obviously, he was a, a leader in Philadelphia. Now we're kind of missing that 
on the on the defensive side of the ball. We we drafted a safety in the fourth round, uh, Kayvon Wallace, who's supposed to be a stud, but obviously he's just a draft pick. So I'd welcome it, but I don't really want to pay a boatload of money to get him at the same time. I think we have other holes that we need to, to fill, you know, that are a little bit more important than safety at this point. I'd rather see him bolster uh, the offensive line, things like that. So to me, in my in my estimation, I I just I feel like Seattle just it just might happen. And my my gut's telling me that at the moment. I would love Seattle. Uh, we'll get to Seattle in a second. But if I, if I'm Joe Douglas, New York Jets general manager, and I'm talking to Howie Roseman, general manager of the Eagles, and I'm looking to upgrade my team, uh, my Jets team needs our offensive line, receiver, safety. I guess if we're going to trade Jamal Adams and and cornerback, um, and obviously we would take draft picks as well. But are there any current players in the Eagles and in, in those positions that you think would would make a decent fit, or do you think there are any positions in the Eagles that have some decent depth? It would make sense for you know Howie to, to trade some some guys for for Adams, or do you think it would just be picks when it came to trading with the Eagles? Yeah, I, I mean, I more so look at it as picks. I mean, we Rasul Douglas for some reason has people have said that, that you know within the Eagles camp, I've watched you know the CSN Philly networks and, and the local networks on on them, you know, throughout the season. And, and they tried to uh, offer him during the season to, to try and get somebody as far as a receiver and things like that or, you know, and what have you. For some reason, he brings some value. Uh, you know, not not a stud, though. I, I, if I'm the Jets, I would not Jamal Adams for Rasul Douglas by any means. I mean, obviously it would be him and then a, a slew of draft picks. But uh, a lot of those positions that you mentioned, so like offensive line, we're, we're kind of short on as far as got a couple younger guys, but I don't think they're going to give those up just from the perspective that our offensive line is aging, you know, very quickly. A couple of those guys, Jason Peters is maybe has one year left. Uh, he hasn't even re-signed with the, with the Eagles yet. I don't think you even offer him up as a trade. I don't, he, he's actually a free agent, so you can't even, you know, I, I don't see it working out as far as players for, for Jamal Adams. I, I more so look at it like, it's going to be uh, a few draft picks if that if that ends up happening. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know how much you give up for for just the safety. Not not that that's not a valuable position. But uh, if I'm Howie Rose, I mean Howie Rosen's made worse decisions. He's made better decisions. So I don't I don't know what he'll be thinking. If the right value is there, I think maybe you go and get him. But you know, to me, I think I think uh, a team like Seattle, where they they usually bolster their team pretty well. It seems like you know from one game to the next, they they've just to have weapons on both sides of the ball at times where, you know, you haven't even heard of the guy and he comes up with a big play. Realistically, I just feel like that's a, a better fit for both parties, you know, if they were to trade him. Uh, so it sounds like I don't want any of your current players because they're not that good. And I also don't want your draft picks because uh, you seem to somehow pick 20th every fucking year. So the Eagles are out for me. Uh, Seattle, I would welcome a trade to Seattle if we could get DK Metcalf. I think you mentioned Seattle and they at least have that. Legion of Boom back there, Legion of Doom, whatever it was with, with Sherman, Thomas, Cam Chancellor, and those guys. So, you know, losing losing a guy like Earl Thomas last year for the Seahawks, stuff left the hole. So if he could go over there, I think it would, you know, be welcome. I don't think, you know, if they're going to trade him, it's not going to be to uh, an AFC team. You know, maybe it's someone in the AFC West or someone they, they don't play every year, wouldn't particularly see unless it's in the playoffs. So it's interesting. Uh, it's, just, it's just tough as a Jets fan. You know, this guy has been saying he – He's a culture changer. He's saying the Jets are different. He's, you know, he's been saying it's just the beginning, you know, of his time with, with the Jets. And he wants to – he wanted to make the Jets into a, a winner and a, and a perennial franchise winner at that. So, uh, it's frustrating as a Jets fan. It seems to me that, you know, when the team is 
trending in the right direction. Uh, we always have to, you know, reverse course and, and bring more pain to my life. So I'm not really sure when the pain is going to end. Um, you know, hopefully Sam Darnold can end my pain and suffering, but uh, we'll have to see about that. And it'll, it'll be fascinating. I, I don't think there's any rush to trade the guy. The Jets have all the leverage right now. Um, Joe Douglas is not a guy who's going to make a rash decision. He's going to take his time, keep his cards close to the vest. The media is going to speculate because it is a New York team. It's a New York franchise, obviously. So um, they're going to speculate. The rumor mill is going to be filled with some outlandish takes. I might throw around a couple of takes just to get the, get the pot stirring as well. But at the end of the day, I don't think they're going to play this fast. I think they're going to slow play it as much as possible and ultimately, you know, find a deal that's best for them or they're going to, you know, fucking resign him. So, um, you know, maybe their plan was to do that as well after training camp or during the season. I really have no idea. But, you know, once we have more clarity getting into the season, once football actually starts and he's still with the team, I, I think the longer he's with the team, uh, more likely he is to resign with them. You know, I'll, I'll say that much. Obviously, that, that might be you know, sort of a bland, uh, sort of a dull take. You know, if, he, if he's traded quick in the next couple of weeks here, I will be surprised. You know, Joe Douglas is a methodical guy, and he's, you know, he's been in situations not per se in the GM's chair. He's obviously relatively new, you know, potentially. You know, he's obviously just came through in the last year. So, you know, we'll have to see what he, what he ultimately decides to do. I think him and Gase will probably put their heads together and make the best decision for the team possible. So, definitely a situation to, to monitor as we progress. Real quick, and, you know, this will be the last thing on this topic, but I think it's interesting you brought it up that I, I remember him specifically, though. Uh, like I like you know, I don't really follow the Jets. You know, I follow him from afar. I, I do remember him saying, you know, this is a – we're going to change the culture around here. I do want to stay – you know, he, he made these and, – and a lot of players do this and then reverse course and, you know, makes them look horrible. And, and now if he were to leave the Jets, you know, if he goes there from a – you know, on, a, on an opposing team – fans are going to absolutely tear him apart. You know, he's going to hear the boo birds like, you know, no tomorrow. But I, I remember him making all those comments and it, it's just a, it's a damn shame. And I, and I feel for you as, as somebody, you know, I saw Tara Owens do that to us, you know, it, regardless of if it was a McNabb T.O. issue, uh, that will forever piss me off and I will forever, you know, hold T.O. somewhat accountable for that because, you know, he, he did it the wrong way and, and, you know, just caused a major distraction. And obviously this the season hasn't started yet. So in that aspect, it's a good thing that he's not, you know, being a, a major distraction that way. But it's just a, it's a damn shame. And I think maybe sometimes these, these agents whisper in the ear of the players and, and the players kind of go along for the ride and, and see what happens because I think the agents are – a little in over their head, and they're just trying to, to get the player as much money as possible because obviously then they fill their pocketbook a little bit more. Got to love filling the pocketbook up. That's the goal. All right, so, uh, you know, uh, an NBA drama storyline going on. Uh, you know, this kind of broke uh, just just yesterday. Uh, a feud broke out between, uh, you know, former center uh, Kendrick Perkins and then uh, Kyrie and then KD got involved as well. So, uh, get your popcorn out for that one. So it's one of those one of those things where uh, Kyrie was was making the point that he, you know, I think we should uh, we should sit out the season. You know, there's every with everything going on, you know, it would just be in the best interest of, of the league and and things like that. Uh, this isn't the, the first time that the KD, um, yeah, KD and Kendrick got have gotten into it where you know Kendrick kind of just calls KD out, basically in terms of he just kind of calls him a bitch, but but in a nicer way. This is dating back to January 9th of, of this year. Uh, it says, KD lost in the second round without Russ when I was there. So what does that mean? 
And then <laughs> KD chirps back. He says, yeah, our starting center, Kendrick Perkins, averaged a whopping two points and uh, three rebounds in that in that series. You played hard, though, champ. So, I mean, obviously they, they have some, some prior beef, and, and KD felt the need to uh, come to his teammates' rescue uh, in, in this case where, where Kyrie's saying that they shouldn't play, and, and KD's kind of just standing up for him once again. Um, so, you know, I, I don't think KD and, and Kendrick really like each other whatsoever. This this is like the third altercation, you know, on, on Twitter that they've had. So it's kind of interesting. I, I'm, I'm with Kendrick on this one. Um, I think in the past I, I've sided with KD, but I think KD gets extremely butthurt pretty easily. And, and this is just kind of an instance where he's get, his teammates getting called out. He's going to come to his rescue. And, and it's just not – It's eventually it's going to end and nothing will come of this. But it's just a bunch of nonsense back and forth. Yeah, uh, Burke is just another – talking head I, I think he's just another victim of of trying to get clicks trying to get views trying to get likes on twitter um just just your classic espn talking head who really doesn't know much of of what he's talking about really doesn't know much about you know breaking down the nba in my opinion even though he he's on you know a couple of espn shows he's on the jump i think um, the basketball show that ESPN has in their programming schedule. I personally am not a fan of Perk. I wasn't a fan of Perk when he played. I'm definitely not a fan of him in the, in the media. Um, I think KD definitely sees right through it. He does He does have a leg to stand on. I think if somebody talking bad about, you know, or talking shit about my teammate in the media, I'd probably step in and um, come to his aid, similar to, how, to what KD did now. And Perk has definitely been a, a criticizer of, of KD, probably stemming back to, you know, his time with the Thunder and then, you know, obviously it's well documented. He went to Golden State. So um, I just think Perk, you know, gets paid to for clickbait, you know, gets paid for clicks, gets paid for views. And, and this is just another example of Perk being Perk. So it's definitely it's definitely an interesting topic. Um, you know, we, we talked on Kyrie a bit um, sort of last podcast about him potentially not wanting to play in this bubble. And I, I do think it's, it's quite interesting. And it, he definitely has a point when it comes to pushing social justice reform and, you know, potentially, you know, have players sitting out and, and, and not playing the season to focus on that. I, I, that's, that's definitely a route to take. Do I think that's the correct route? No. I, I mean, not to beat a dead horse, but we touched on it last week too. And I think they, I think the country needs professional sports to come back. Uh, I think people need a distraction. I think people need some sense of normalcy and, you know, they, they can definitely do that in their off time. I mean, LeBron is a big proponent of social justice and, you know, he built a school for underprivileged kids in Ohio and, and still is able to play the, the game at a high level and, and still play an MVP caliber type type of basketball at 35 years old while doing all, all this great work in the community. So I definitely think both can be done. Obviously, you know, doing doing some community work might be a little bit tough in a bubble in Orlando for, for two months, but I think they do have to play. So Kyrie is, is hurt. KD is hurt, so they're not going to play. Maybe they can, you know, do some stuff in whether it be in Brooklyn or, or where they grew up or where wherever they decide to spend their offseason. Uh, or maybe it's just educating basketball fans and, you know, sports fans in the public on some some different social justice reform things that they have, have brewing. So uh, it's definitely a fascinating sort of topic, and we did touch on it last week. So I'll, I'll turn it over to you again here, Aaron. But uh, I, I just think, you know, doing both is possible. These guys have platforms of millions and millions of people, and Katie has been pretty active in the media as well and, and sort of building his own media con- conglomerate per se. So both of these players have platforms if they want to do so, and, 
and speak their minds about different things like that. But, yeah, when it comes to KD and Perk, uh, there's really nothing I love more than, than KD shooting on Kendrick Perkins. Kind of, yeah, you know, touching on a little bit more, uh, you know, and then after, after this point we'll move we'll move forward. But it's just funny, KD and, and, and Perk's conversations in the past, you know, are, are great to read. You know, it's it's just Comedy Central right here. It's just funny. I mean, they obviously just, you know, get in the beef. I think, I think Kendrick Perkins, like to your point, he, he's kind of a figurehead, but I think it's almost funny to, to what he, I think he tries to get under Kevin Durant's skin. I think maybe, you know, they had beef when they were teammates and, and it's just one of those things. I think he knows he'll get a reaction out of KD and that's exactly what he did here. So, so KD says, you know, we had a, we had a weak starter at the center position playing some real minutes and with no real production. <laughs> Should have worked on your skills as much as I did. So I mean, that's a Boom. that's a big shot, big shot from uh, from Kevin Durant there. And then Kendrick Perkins chirps back. He says, "That's fine!" Exclamation point! Exclamation point! Exclamation point! You worked that hard. You worked that hard and still had to go join a seventy-three and nine team. Oh, kill shot! <laughs> Truth be told, you don't even feel like a real champ. You have a hard time sleeping at night, huh? Knowing that you took the cowardly way out. So I mean. Obviously, they just, you know, I wish they'd line up, get in a little boxing ring and, and go at it, you know, like, like real men should. You know, obviously, that you're never going to see that, that type of thing happen. Yeah, it's just, it's kind of interesting. I think, you know, they, they obviously have, have prior beef. I think KD maybe was, was not very, uh, you know, not a big fan of Kendrick Perkins' you know, athletic ability or, or, you know, production and, and what have you. And Kendrick Perkins kind of calls KD, you know, in a, in some aspects of pussy because he left, you know, he left him high and dry and, and he left to go to, to the Warriors. Obviously a lot of people criticize that move and, and understandably so, you know, I'm a huge KD fan. I have been my whole, you know, his whole career, but um, you know, I can see why people, you know, look at that as the cowardly way out and, and taking the easy route. So, you know, I, I, I stand with Perkins on that point. I, I think, I think Perkins, you know, is kind of good for, for sports and the fact that he just – he's one of those guys that stirs the pot, but he's not going to give me a headache like Stephen A. Smith does. So, you know, it is it is entertaining, and I, and I enjoy it. So, you know, obviously I don't see anything else coming out of this. Maybe they chirp back the next couple of days and, and the season starts and then it just goes away like it always does. But, you know, they have prior beef, and it, it just continues to come to the forefront, and, and it's hilarious in, in my opinion. If we're naming a winner here, I'd, I'd probably have to go perk on that one. That was a kill shot of the century. If you know, if you know me well, it's well documented that I hate Kevin Durant, um, and it's solely because he went to the Warriors. So I think he definitely has ground to stand on. If you're saying you'd rather have perk over Stephen A. Smith, I, I don't know if we can continue this podcast. To be honest with you, though, I don't. I, I mean, I can take I can take Stephen A. Smith in the small increments, but. Uh, if I got to listen, listen to him ramble and absolutely scream at the, the top of his lungs for 60 minutes, then you know, I'm going to need some serious Advil, Tylenol, ibuprofen, all of them, uh, you know, all in one sitting just to, to, you know, get myself through that. I just think Perkins is – he's kind of subtle on, on the air, and then he just throws these bombs on Twitter. Like, he, he's the M&M of Twitter, so it's just it's hilarious. Yeah, the Twitter the Twitter stuff is hilarious. Don't get me wrong. I just I just don't think he – He's kind of dry as a, as an analyst. I'll give you that. He's kind of dry. But yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, great Stephen follow a. on Twitter though. Yeah, no, highly recommend it. But uh, Stephen A. Stephen A. Uh, is just a little bit too much at times. I think he he's definitely entertaining, but he's just uh, you know he's just 
he's out there a little bit. Just turn your TV off and listen to the Brutally Honest Sports Podcast. Yeah, we we kind of sit right in the middle of everybody. You know, we're we're the cream of the crop. We're the we're the sweet spot. You know, you want to hit hit the ball with with the, the bat, and and that's exactly where we're at. We're at the sweet spot of that bat. That's what we are as as analysts. I agree. Have to, have to agree with that take. Uh, Aaron, great show tonight, listeners. Thank you as always for tuning in. Um, we greatly appreciate your support, and it does not go unnoticed. Uh, you guys got a good look into my Jets' painful fandom uh, tonight, so that was a good topic as well. But uh, hope everyone enjoys their weekend, enjoys their Father's Day, and joins us again next week for a couple of shows. But uh, Aaron, why don't you take us home as always? Yeah, uh, you know, keep everybody. And your thoughts as far as uh, from a perspective of, you know, the still trying times as a country and, and we're going to continue to get through it. And, and I think things are looking up for sports. We're probably a month or so away from, from that. But, you know, surely that, that'll happen at some point. And, you know, shout out to Philip Rivers. He's probably the best dad there is around. I think he's got like 50 kids. Over under 50. Uh, over 55. <laughs> Take his home. <laughs> <laughs>